Hello, humans. Welcome to Tending Trauma with me, your host, Thomas Weber. Today, we're joined by Stacy Boyar. Welcome, Stacy. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for my being name here. is Stacy Boyer. Um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist um, in South Florida, specifically Parkland, Coral Springs, Florida. I have a private practice, but presently I'm only doing telehealth because of COVID. So it's all online. Uh, I specialize in anxiety, stress, depression, and PTSD. Very cool. Yeah. So, so you've been um, doing therapy for um, a while now? Yes, yes. And actually, I guess I should mention if um, the name Parkland sounds familiar, it's because that's where there was a mass shooting. Some of your listeners might be familiar oh. with high school um, a couple years ago. Uh, actually, will it be three years in February? And um, uh, 17 people were, were killed um, there because of a mass shooting. Oh wow! Right down the street. Yeah, yeah. Wow, did that impact anybody you 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 worked with, or just kind of like impact the area you're, you're in? Yeah, no, uh, it really impacted the entire community. Mm. You know, when something like this happens, it's mm. um, just a crazy experience, and the whole community really got together and did all kinds of things but yes i've i've worked with um students parents and now we're kind of seeing a cross-generational effect where um the parents are affected the siblings the younger siblings are affected and it's it's really an ongoing trauma for the community wow. yeah i've heard of movements like never again um that came out from like all the school shootings yeah the march for and that's one positive well, there are many positive things that came out of it, but March for Our Lives, uh, mm. a lot of seniors, I, I believe they were seniors and even some juniors and, and a whole bunch of students organized the March for Our Lives and uh, marched in Washington against gun, gun violence. And they've done amazing, amazing things and they still are. Wow. Yeah, I know that helping people to um, deal with like stress often includes like helping people to feel safe. And I, I mean, obviously with, if you've been in a situation where there was a shooting, that's going to be hard to experience again. Yes. Yes. And that's a huge aspect with recovery. You know, even um, when talking with young, young children that have been through things, having that one person, even if it's just one person that you feel safe with, mm. uh, connected to, comfortable with, um, felt listened to by this one person if it is only one person um it, it could be a really therapeutic thing so yeah hmm. feeling safe again is is paramount did you have you like noticed any um like patterns to like the challenges you've been helping people with um patterns. like helping people with the ptsd of this or you know the other things you've been helping people with well, what I do notice is that people that have experienced be trauma before this huge trauma, mm -hmm. whether it was a little trauma or a lot of little traumas or another large trauma before this huge trauma, they have kind of more difficulty, let's say, working through it and um, mm -hmm. experiencing that safe feeling. 
Whereas those that this is their first kind of situation with trauma seem to um, be coming through it easier, let's say. Oh, okay. Maybe they have like better um, self-regulation or those kind of skills. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a huge aspect to it too, which, you know, like there actually needs to be more research on resilience. Mm, and are mm. some people resilient and some people not so much? And is it nature, nurture, both, neither, you know? Yeah, yeah I've heard some, um, some very intelligent people try and frame it with like a client that like someone who's been through uh, a, a big um, trauma or a series of traumatic events that they're in the, or like, for instance, someone who has like high ACE score, they would say that they're, they're specifically resilient because um, to, to have been through that, you know, it, and not have, um, you know, committed suicide or, you know, not gotten through is, is, is challenge It's challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from what I'm seeing, it's the people, the students, the teens, the parents that have a purpose, a new purpose, maybe like a purpose that they never, ever dreamed that they would have. Mm -hmm. But now they've kind of found this new purpose that's driving them. Mm -hmm. And that purpose is really helping them through it. And, you know, it's, it's nothing that because people come to me for therapy and mm -hmm. uh, whether it's EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, yeah. OTM, or even if it's CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, it's not like magic where, you know, you'll go through this and then you will forget it and all done. No, um, the hope <laughs> is that you can um, be able to talk about it mm. and, uh, or, and not have all of the things that go with PTSD but it's still there and it's yeah. part of your life and it's part of your story and um and that's okay mm -hmm. but you know trying getting rid of all those ptsd symptoms is is really key yeah that i mean it sounds like what you're you're helping people to like grow in wisdom like where, where it's like you know it's not you're getting rid of all those experiences but you're growing from it somehow absolutely absolutely and then hopefully maybe to help others um, a lot hmm. of these people have written books. There's a couple bestsellers. Oh, wow. That, you know, is their purpose. Uh, a lot of people or parents uh, that children experience this, they ran for the school board because their passion was to make changes and hmm. more secure. Um, a lot of uh, political aspirations to kind of change laws. So it's, it's finding that purpose. What do you, what do you, so what, what do you think, what do you think is kind of at the, like the, the cause of um, like, for instance, the, the culture of school shootings? Wow. That's a big question. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and now that the, um, the culture of school shootings, well, you know, for example, this situation, this person that did this had a history of um, non-resilient behaviors um, this person, if you want to call him a person, yeah. um, <laughs> was, uh, you know, all kinds of trauma himself mm. growing up. Um, this home, that home, parent deaths, not that I'm justifying it in any way. No, but, I mean, but understanding it is part yeah, of the process. Yeah, definitely. And um, why this would happen in a community like this mm -hmm. um, is, it's just, it's so troubling. But 
Again, it's, you know, so many things stem from childhood, again, with the nature mm -hmm. and what happens, why does a person go this route and that person go that route with the same upbringing, uh, because he did have a brother um, that, you know, obviously didn't go that route. It's, it's, it's a mystery, really. Yeah, it does seem sort of like, you know, there's, there is a lot of stress that, um, and especially for someone who, like you were saying, like is going through all these like particularly stressful situations, they don't have like an, an outlet or if their only um, interaction about like how to calm down those um, experiences with someone who's like aggressive, let's just say that they might, um, they might not really even have like any adults in their lives that they can go to, to help find some kind of regulation. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, just getting back to that one person that could be your safe space, whether it's a teacher, mm. a therapist, a friend, a grandparent. And if you don't have that one person that you can make a connection with, uh, that's really uh, not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, so that it's, do you, do you feel like that is kind of like the emphasis of some of these people is to like help get more, um, mentor support for the the um, population of students or right. I absolutely do and I'm a big proponent for teaching mental health in the schools like mm. I personally think mm. it should be class coping mechanisms um, I used to do a teacher support group just you know talking about schools and teachers where the teachers would come and and discuss things but also learn breathing techniques, easy yoga techniques, easy meditation techniques, where they then, uh, if they were allowed, depending on their school board or whatever, to go back and kind of teach these skills to their students. When you're feeling this way, simply taking a proper deep breath, breathing through your nose, getting yeah. the air in your stomach, holding it there, breathing through your mouth, doing that, calming down, um, teaching grounding techniques to their students. So when you are feeling frustrated or angry or whatever it is, you can ground yourself, you know, mm -hmm. your five senses, um, look for five things you see right in your immediate vicinity, look for four things you smell, three things to touch, two things to taste, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard other similar like, um, philosophy about like understanding your vessel, you know, because emotion, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that emotions are held in the body and that all these mindfulness techniques like you're talking about can really help with someone being able to um, understand, like notice their tension and, and, and get back to it. Like you're saying a grounded state where they can um, their, where their emotional state isn't so charged and in such a, like a fear reaction Yes, like the fight or flight or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But yeah, and they, they sound like really easy, simple techniques. But <laughs> you know how right. to do it or if, yeah. you, if you don't practice it when you're calm, it's harder mm -hmm. to draw upon when you're in that state. So it's absolutely all the time. And even, you know, for those, those uh, people that don't really have an outlet, sometimes writing for some people, mm -hmm. journaling, just mm -hmm. getting it out. And, you know, like I always say to Michael, it doesn't have to be pretty and it doesn't have to, nobody ever has to see it. And your first couple pages just could be scribbling, but mm. just kind of get it out some way before it goes out another way is really yeah. important. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Do you, you know, I know it doesn't really usually necessarily come up in like a, a clinical conversation with like a one-on-one therapy, but I'm, I'm curious, like um, your thoughts on like bullying and like how that um, impacts, like, what do you, I mean, cause you know, to, to meet with someone and to talk with them, it might not necessarily be something that you, you, you can help someone to get unbullied, you know, yeah. um, sometimes it's just about coping with it, but I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on like, you feel like that's part of the, um, what's at play? Yeah, I mean, bullying is huge and kids are really, really traumatized through bullying. And I know there's all these um, things out there to stop bullying, but, but mm. kids can be cruel. Kids can be mm. really cruel. And bullying and that feeling of being bullied can be carried through your, you know, till your adulthood or your, your young adulthood. And, you know, the truth is with bullying, the kids, as we know, the kids that bully are the ones that are probably being bullied themselves at home. Sure. Because you know, who knows what's going on in their household. And as an adult, you can think about that, like, wow, that person's acting that way um, because of what potentially is going on with, with them or they hmm. don't but as a child when you're experiencing it it's it's hard and it's hurtful and it's scary and I think it probably could contribute to some uh, people experiencing P you know a PTSD type of um, trigger do you do you notice like do you feel like I know like huh, well, like when I went to school be, like talking about bullying there was maybe a little bit of um, uh, like mentoring about it but like for, for me experiencing it, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if you feel like now there's more of like an emphasis into trying to understand like why the person who's, who's who is the bully is, is um, doing the bullying. You know, I know so many schools have anti-bullying programs and hmm. they have um, like a social support, I can't think of the name of it, programs mm -hmm. where every day the teacher is supposed to, especially in the elementary schools, is supposed to go over a specific social skill mm -hmm. and how to go about, you know, behaving in the appropriate way. And um, so many schools now have a kindness matters. Um, oh, yeah. Here, I don't know. Um, a kindness, um, kindness 360, kindness matters, you know, some sort of club. Okay. Um, and you know, they spread kindness. Um, I'd like to think it's getting better, but as we know, you know, kids, kids can be really, really, you know, cruel. And yeah. if you're a person that, you know, isn't resilient, you know, you see those kids out there, they're just like, oh, whatever. And then there are other kids, it really hurts them and it really affects mm. them deeply. And it's, it's building that resilience and, and uh, doing skills to help build resilience. Yeah, it can be hard to like you're saying like even form that trust and connect that a lot of these people need if they're already in the defensive um mindset yeah and i wonder if they even uh those students even trust you know a teacher or mm. or anyone to kind of help them and guide them um but i i mean i'd like to think through training, I mean, teachers get all these trainings that they would they would kind of put it out into the classroom. But of course, right on the playground, kids kids can be really really cruel, really cruel. Sure. But it's it's important to build. And truthfully, the bully is potentially just as insecure as this as the child being bullied. Um, so it's to build the self esteem and the resilience in every child, even wow. dare I say the bully. 
Wow. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's well said. I completely agree with you. You know, and a lot of, um, again, I always suggest seeing, you know, if a, if a student or anybody is um, really not doing well to seek out a licensed therapist mm -hmm. and talk to them and to have, you know, at least that person as their support system. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's interesting as you, um, trying to understand like the cues, you know, trying to understand like when you are feeling anxious, when you're starting to, um, get stressed, you know, how do you, how to, to recognize that and to be able to do, like you're saying, like some of these practices that help you to get, get more grounded. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, not, you know, figuring out what the triggers are really for, mm. and everyone's is individual. So knowing what they are um, and knowing that if you're in that situation, what you can do, because it's a personal thing, what works for one person might not work for somebody else, but, you know, there are so many little things you could do, starting with the breathing and the grounding. And I mean, just because we're talking about kids in school, mm -hmm. uh, how, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, whatever it is, the teacher says, oh, bring a stuffed animal or something that, that you uh, feel secure with from home, you know, on the first day of school, like a, like a lovey, like something. And I always think, why can't an adult, if you're going into a stressful situation, put something in your pocket, whether it's a rock, a crystal, like, piece of jewelry or you know, mm. whatever it is and have it by you and when you're starting to you have a trigger or you're starting to feel stressed your heart's starting to race um touch that object and and the idea is to get your mind away from your whatever thought you're perseverating on mm. think of your safe little object you know and then you could teach yourself to focus on that object is it round is it a triangle is it soft is it cool is it hot and then that's kind of a trick to pull your mind from your mm. spiraling thoughts to something tangible that you have on your person yeah because that is such a such a um such an issue sticking into the same focus and drilling into that attention of of whatever like that anxiety that anxiety is a big one that that kind of wants you to to spend more time thinking about it. Absolutely. And right. It's thinking like this, this isn't me, this is my anxiety. And um, I am not anxiety. Maybe it's a part of me right mm. now, but it's not my whole person. Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of CBT, um, cognitive behavior therapy comes into play where, you know, you want to believe your own thoughts. You want to believe your anxiety, uh, but you don't have to, and you can question your thoughts. Um, is this thought based in reality? is, are there facts behind this? Am I just assuming this? Um, what are, why am I believing this thought? What if a friend came to me anxious or having mm. this same thought, what would I say to my friend? Why am I not saying that to myself? Why am I not being my own best friend kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like funny that there aren't more opportunities for kids to practice that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just as important. It's such a, a life skill, um, mm. just as important as, as um, anything else. I know a lot of schools now um, are doing these, these programs, whether it's peer counseling, some call it nest, you know, different where you meet in a small group and kind of talk about feelings and talk about mm -hmm. these issues. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we're not taught and we have to learn. And also, you know, a lot of behaviors 
like we, we kind of talked about what you, you know, do when you're young to kind of help you survive when you're right. young or help you survive in a stressful situation. Maybe those behaviors that you're doing are not serving you anymore as an adult. Um, they were okay and kind of keeping you safe when you were a kid, but as an adult, those behaviors aren't helping you grow anymore. And it's learn it's like retraining yourself to uh, learn new behaviors to help yourself grow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so just kind of like pull, pulling it back and kind of take another perspective, a, a look at this like whole perspective that like, it seems that there's definitely a, um, there's people that are working on it, which is great to set more culture around having these tools, you know, these, these tool sets to, to help a person in order to self-regulate. And then also um, to have more, uh, I guess, like adult relationships that they can trust and that they can help because processing through all these things on your own is not necessarily always very possible, especially if you're maybe um, dealing with something that's painful, you might disassociate as you're trying to process through it. So seeing, like you're saying, a licensed therapist would help being able to understand that. But even possibly, you know, having like an adult mentor might be able to um, mitigate some of the, the extremes that end up kind of presenting in the yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, the EM, well, for example, the RTM, the reprocessing um, therapy, a lot of people that uh, were veterans kind of um, like that type of therapy, because hmm. you don't have to kind of talk about it and continue to talk about it. Because a lot of people that have experienced trauma, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to keep talking about it. And just um, quickly to get back to the shooting at the school, a lot of these yeah. children have the experience uh, or the ability to kind of go to a different school and go to a private school or wherever they wanted. And a lot of these children were like, uh, if I go somewhere else, even though something horrible happened there, hmm. I even have to like re-explain explain myself. People will be asking me questions and nobody's really gonna understand. And so I'm gonna be spinning my wheels and talking and getting upset, not feeling understood. So all of them, most of them decided to stay at that school and wow. continue going there because there were people there that understood them and knew what, what they went through. So the good, getting back to the RTM or the EMDR, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to retell the story and retell it. It, it works on, um, it's kind of uh, in your own mind type of thing. I mean, you can hmm. tell a small portion of it and then it works on reprocessing by using bilateral stimulation in a lot of cases to work both sides of the brain. Oh, nice. To change um, the, you know, the thoughts that go along with the PTSD. And like we said, it's, it's always going to be there, uh, but it, it, the therapy helps it not be as painful. Hmm. And that's really the goal. Yeah. I, I love what you, you know, like that, that whole like growth thing. It, it does sound like, you know, that, that in, even in the, the wake of an unfortunate, an unfortunate event, like a shooting, that there's a possibility for that culture to come together. And like you were saying, like some people wrote books, some people joined the um, council to try and make a difference on it. And there's, there is a possibility from a tragedy to try and come back from it and 
it sounds like that's what a lot of the community has done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, there are people that are, you know, still hurting and have other, you know, PTSD is such a, such an interesting thing, actually. Um, hmm. And, you know, just, just some, if you want to hear like some quick yeah. story, I mean, there's, um, somebody came to me with, um, she was constantly having numbness in her arm hmm. and whenever she would hear a noise or get scared or her heart would race her her, her arm would get numb and you know of course she thought she was having a heart attack and that mm -hmm. would cause more panic and sweating and you know all the things um and so through emd did we do rtm or emdr maybe it was rtm um we realized that this person was trapped in a, they put all the students in a closet. And so there were like 30 kids in wow. a closet for three to five hours. Um, and, you know, they were all in wow. panic, you can imagine. Um, of course, during that time, her arm fell asleep because oh. you're And so, you know, not even making the connection as to why that would happen. And so then when we realized what was going on and why that was happening and, oh yeah, my arm and I was smushed and, and, uh, you know, kind of working through that. And she hmm. you know, hasn't experienced that again, thankfully. But really? there's always like, uh, yeah, after there was, you know, after you kind of understand where it's coming from and, and mm -hmm. can understand things. And that really helped her her grow um, in a big way. Um, yeah. So so with the RTM, just to go into what that is, you, mm -hmm. you it's a lot of visualization. So you have to um, be kind of good at visualizing and not everybody is. Mm. And you, you kind of visualize an event quickly then just to give you the, the brief synopsis of it. Sure. Yeah, and please. As slow, you uh, visualize it backwards, you visualize it in black and white, you visualize it tiny, you know, you do all these kinds of things to, to use different parts of your brain. Mm. Um, and then, you know, at, at the end of the whole process, you're able to discuss it without having an ab reaction. Ab reaction is, you know, the sweating, the, you know, whatever mm. goes with your PTSD. So um, you can kind of retell that specific situation without having an ab reaction and that's that's the goal wow that's, yeah that's, that's what happened in this case okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah i've heard that um through uh, when you when you use your um when you get into a theta wave mind state um that you're able to transition from or you're able to create new synapses in your brain mm -hmm. and i know that um, visualization is an important tool for getting into that um, theta wave mind state yeah, yeah. I mean, I have had people that just flat out tell me, I cannot visualize. I, I can't do it. <laughs> and so then we're like, sure. okay, we'll, we'll do something else. And there are people yeah. like that, you know, they just have a really hard time, you know, visualizing things. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad you, you have more than one tool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. So, um, with EMDR, you basically use, they're called tappers. Hmm. And um, they, they buy, they're these little, I don't even know how to, they're like these little round things that you hold in your hand and they make a vibrating sensation. And during this type of therapy, while you're reprocessing in your brain, you're holding these things and the right one makes a vibration and then the left one. Um, and it really, it's called bilateral stimulation. And it really helps um, with the growth and getting over, um, PTSD. Of mm. course, with um, telehealth, you can't do it because um, I can't hand it over to you, but right. you do, uh, like you put your, your 
right hand on your left shoulder and your left hand on your right shoulder and you do a specific kind of tapping that also um, works both sides of your brain on telehealth. In person, you could also uh, do something with your eyes hmm. uh, and your fingers, uh, but it's an interesting concept to kind of reprocess your thoughts and, and really help with PTSD. Yeah, I was, I, I mean, I, I'm, I haven't done EMDR, but I've, I've heard from some of my colleagues do it. And I, I know that there is sometimes there's like the visual um, bar that they will show. Yes, the light I, bar too. I mm -hmm. was, I mean, I'm, I am curious for, um, you know, that capacity to be able to be shown on like a screen, like if you did a screen share or, share or something. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I use the tappers. I've never used the light, okay. but I mean, it's the same kind of, of thing. Mm. Um, and what's interesting with that is it's using an I statement. So sometimes when you're in a traumatic event, mm. you, as the person experiencing it, you're telling yourself um, a negative cognition, like a negative I statement about the experience about yourself. And it's working, you know, whether it's, um, I was not good enough or I'm weak or you, whatever it is that you're telling yourself that isn't true. Uh, and it's working through that and it's reestablishing a positive cognition instead of the negative cognition and then installing the positive cognition and, and working on specific uh, events, not all of it at once, just uh, kind of specific events, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Okay. Does, does the, um, do the negative, um, in, uh, internalized I statements, do they just come up through the... Yeah, and that's exactly what's interesting about this. So again, you don't have to talk about it to the mm -hmm. therapist necessarily um, during the reprocessing, whether you're doing the tapping or the lights or the finger or the tapping, um, it, it comes up in your own mind and mm. you kind of express that and then you, you work through that. Um, and you don't necessarily have to go into detail with the therapist, but it's it's a really therapeutic process, you know, within within the the client. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really that's really nice. And and do you do you feel like um, it uh, it goes seamlessly every time? Or <laughs> you know, it's interesting because. Um, you know, I personally, I'm used to like talk therapy or cognitive behavior therapy or like an eclectic therapy. And with this, there isn't really a lot of, of talking necessarily. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, people come into therapy and, you know, it's, they want to talk and, and they should. Um, but this specific one, you really don't say a lot. It's kind of phrases. Um, but what I've noticed is, and the people that want to talk, we kind of talk therapeutically in the beginning and kind of get that out, which is fine, um, and then do this. And then at the end, kind of have a, a closing kind of thing. But what is interesting is, is there isn't a lot of talk, which it takes some getting used to on both, both ends, really. I'm sure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, so yeah, so it sounds, it, I mean, I've heard many good things about it, so... Yeah, yeah, no, I highly, highly recommend it. Again, not everything works for everyone, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's worth trying for sure. Especially if you're experiencing like um, any of the PTSD, you know, like the hyper arousal or the re, like uh, re-experiencing or reimagining it, mm. or um, like you were talking about like the numbing or the avoidance, um, sure. constantly avoiding and avoiding, you know, maybe eventually it will come out in a way that you really um, 
don't want it to or not at the appropriate time and you know and of course the the mood changes people have you know the irritability um, if, if any of your listeners are experiencing any of those things and maybe they should kind of look into EMDR or RTM or CBT yeah. or any of these things we talked about yeah I loved I loved your anecdote and how you described how after understanding what was at the root of the somatic symptoms that she was you know the the numb arm that she was able to like be able to process through it. And it, you know, I, I wonder how much that is, that, that is the case that, you know, the more understanding you have of the reasons behind the um, anxiety or depression or stress, the, the easier it is to process through it. Yeah. And, you know, what I really found interesting and something I learned was with PTSD, yes, it's um, something you experienced or something you saw, but, um, just another little story, you know, I had a client who really wasn't part of it at all. She at the time was, you know, like in elementary school, but her friend's sister experienced something awful and traumatic at mm. the high school again, okay. uh, because the heights, a huge heights, like 3000 kids. So everybody has a story, one more horrific than the next. Mm. And um, as you can imagine, yeah. and the older daughter, the, the, the sister's the sister was telling the story to her sister and this friend and um, just they sat in a room and that she was telling the story and telling the story and telling the story. So the friend went home and uh, still to this day was having difficulty sleeping uh, up in the middle of the night, had nightmares, scared that she'd never see her mother again, and really having some pretty significant PTSD symptoms just from hearing a traumatic event that this person went through. So it's it's very wow. there's all different um, kind of stages, and it's it's almost like on a on a uh, spectrum of who, you know who's affected and why they're affected, and why would this person who's sort of an auxiliary person be so affected, but yet this actual sister wasn't the sister's friend. Mm. Was, so you know, it's, yeah, that's amazing how how like how much fallout there is from even one traumatic event how much cleanup there is, how, how, how difficult it is to, to mend after the oh, issue. The snowball effect and the parents um, who couldn't get in touch uh, with their children because there was no cell service because everyone was using their cell phone. Uh, so they weren't able to contact their children. So wow. the PTSD that the parents experienced for three to five hours, not being able to find their children. And then when they were finally allowed to leave, you know, the parents weren't allowed by the school. So now it was, you know, 3000 kids running to find, you know, 3000 parents and the chaos and the stress mm. involved in all that. Um, yes, the snowball of this is huge as, in, as it is with any kind of traumatic thing like this. Sure. Yeah. And it, you know, I know with um, many situations where there's a hero, where there's someone who has been able to um, try and resolve the situation that they were able to keep themselves calm enough to think rationally through the situation and, and react to it without reacting to it in fear. And I, I, I wonder if, you know, the more that people can gain these skills, like you're talking about in order to get grounded and, and stay stable, the, you know, the, the more um, those situations can be reacted to appropriately by, you know, Absolutely. even the survivors. Absolutely. And I think another kind of trip, not trip, but sure. another thing that maybe should yeah. be a tool. 
a tool, a trick, something that probably should be taught in schools as well, but isn't, is meditation. Mm. And um, being able to meditate even for two minutes in the morning kind of could keep you calm or throughout the day. I mean, there's, there's studies that show if you meditate, you are better able to be connected and, and work through things throughout the entire day. So I would say that maybe some of these people had these skills and didn't even know it and hopefully are still practicing them as far as the meditation, which is hard. I mean, it's a really hard thing to sit and have a thought, you know, like a train going through a station, having the train zoom by and then just let it go, you know, having a thought and be able to let it go. Mm-hmm. But um, of course, there's all kinds of meditations, whether it's nature meditation or, you know, whatever meditation that you like, when you find that you're having a thought that is uh, difficult and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you allow it okay, I'm having this thought and now I'm going to let it go and I'm going to focus on the birds, the clouds, the trees or whatever it is to keep you in a meditative state. Um, And I I think having that skill is certainly a helpful thing in any kind of situation. Good advice. Thank you, Stacey. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, um, is there anywhere that um, the audience can find you online or... um to work with you if they want, if um, that's available? Sure, I, let's see, my website is namastacy.net and that's N-A-M-A-S-T-A-C-I-E.net. And um, I also, I have a podcast, uh, Namastacy with little prayer hands with just little tips of uh, anxiety reducing techniques on Spotify or wherever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very good, very good. Well, wow. Thank you, Stacey, for, for being willing to, to go there and, and, and have this deep conversation with me. And thank you to everyone who listened. I uh, will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for having me.